0: Welcome to Word Matters, presented by the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Word Matters is a podcast dedicated to helping Christians understand some of the most confusing and controversial passages of the Bible. And now, join the conversation with your hosts, Trevin Wax and Brandon Smith. Did early Christians practice baptism for the dead? This is the question we will answer on this episode of Word Matters. I'm Brandon Smith, brand manager for the HCSB, and I'm here with my co-host, Trevin Wax, managing editor of The Gospel Project. Hello, Trevin.
1: This is going to be a fun one. (laughs) Yeah,
0: a little bit. If you're listening at home, please just wait through this. It's going to be great in the end, we promise. So today we're looking at the puzzling statement in 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul speaks of people being baptized for the dead.
1: And it's good that you brought this up, Brandon, since you have such experience with this at your church, right? Don't you baptize people at your
0: church? (laughs) Not last time I checked.
1: Oh, I thought that was in the order of worship after the snake handling <laughs> portion, right?
0: Uh, I think we're talking about baptism for the dead, not baptism of the dead. Ah, oh,
1: right. So you guys just baptized for the dead at your church. <laughs> stop, Got it. Stop tro-
0: Stop trolling me. We have a show to do, all right? <laughs> so let's look, at, let's look at this difficult text and see what we, what we can do here. Okay.
1: Morning. So all joking aside, we are dealing today with a verse uh, that is very puzzling. comes in the middle of Paul's famous chapter, his very long chapter on the resurrection of Jesus. In the past and the resurrection of Christians in the future from the dead, of course. So he he's making a case for the resurrection. He's using all sorts of evidence to show why the resurrection is real and why it's vital to Christian living. So you got to know that that's the context Mm -hmm. for the strange statement.
0: Right, right. So uh, let me go ahead and read what he says then in uh, First Corinthians 1529 in the HCSB. Otherwise, what will they do who are being baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, then why are people being baptized for them? Uh, so keep in mind the larger point of what Paul is talking about here is is the resurrection of believers will be a reality, even that Christian practice points toward this reality.
1: Right? That's true, but it, it's a difficult text because, well, first we don't know what Paul means. Uh, <laughs> is he talking about people who are being baptized vicariously on behalf of dead people? Is that what he means? <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, right. And, and another issue I think is is we're not sure what early Christian practice he's referring to. We don't have like some sort of archeological dig up of scrolls that talk about this tor- sort of practice. We don't have any scripture references that really give us this. Uh, so were people being baptized on behalf of dead people. And if so, was, was Paul committing this practice or is he just commenting on a practice in order to make a point about the resurrection? I and mean, who knows?
1: Yeah. So we've got two issues here that we have to wrestle with. Uh, first, what practice is Paul referring to? Right. Secondly, And is Paul commending that practice or is he just commenting on it? So those are the questions we've got to deal with. And of course your answer to the one is going to affect your answer to the other.
0: Yeah. So, well, let's jump into these different options and, uh, and again, just see if we can bring some clarity to this uh, really confusing, awkward thing that we're talking about here. So, uh, so let's start with the Mormon interpretation. I'll let you handle that one. (laughs) Very kind of you, Trevin. Um, So more, okay. So Mormons, uh, Mormons don't believe that anyone gets into heaven without being baptized, which is bad news for you and me, Trevin, because we are not Mormon. So, we have sure. no, nothing to look forward to. Bad news for a lot of people. Yeah, right. Uh, the only way then, uh, according to Mormons, for people to not, to, uh, who are not baptized during their lives to get to heaven is that somebody else is baptized for them by name. So, uh, this is one reason why Mormons are so interested in genealogical research, right? So, uh, the basis for Mormon practice seems to be this text in 1 Corinthians 15 um and Joseph Smith uh, the well-known founder and prophet of Mormonism said uh quote temple work in our own behalf and in behalf of our dead is the greatest commandment given to us uh so just to kind of sum up the way the mormon uh, interprets this text uh that the only way to gain access to heaven is through baptism by proxy somebody being baptized for you on your behalf after you die
1: okay so the next interpretation this is the one with the longest history this is we might call it the traditional view so according to this view In the Corinthian church, there were believers in Christ who died before they got baptized. In response to that, there were believers in the church who got baptized on their behalf. Mm -hmm. So to clarify, this is not a way of getting people into heaven. Uh, It's simply a way of of affirming that the deceased believer was part of the community. And the way that they would affirm that is they would have another believer baptized in their place. Mm Uh, Also, that goes along with this view, Paul's point is not to condone the practice. And we should note, I mean, he never mentions it anywhere else. Paul is just saying, look, if there's no resurrection of the dead, what's the point of baptizing someone on behalf of someone else as you've done in the past? You know, so we could sum up the interpretation then to say that the Corinthians had this unique practice of baptizing someone in place of a believer who had died. Paul was using the practice as more evidence in the case he was making for the resurrection but he was not condoning the practice for today,
0: right? So, um, and then there's a third interpretation uh, we definitely need to mention too. Uh, it's kind of this idea that that Paul's not referring to actual dead believers. So the first two are talking about people who have died. Uh, he's not referring to that. He's talking about the bodies of living believer. These bodies, uh, living believers, these bodies that will die and decay. Uh, so the baptism for the dead then refers basically to having your body baptized because it's your body that will be raised. So it's that that picture of baptism that we talk about um, that somebody dies and then is resurrected, like Jesus uh, pictures his death and resurrection. So Paul's point in, in this view would be, you know, if you're dying and being raised in baptism, uh, but you don't believe in the resurrection, then what's the point of being baptized? You're 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 supposed to be picturing something that you don't actually believe. Uh So to kind of sum it up, we just say, you know, Paul is referring to the normal practice of baptism bodies will die and decay, which ours do as a result of the fall, uh, undergo immersion in water, and then the very fact of baptism is pointing to resurrection, them coming up out of the water.
1: Yeah, and, and a variation of that would be how uh, the Pillar New Testament commentary uh, paraphrases it. Uh, they're basically paraphrasing the verse. They say, now, if there is no resurrection, what will be accomplished by those who get baptized because of what they have heard about how our dead will be raised? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people undergoing baptism on account of them? So that's a third interpretation.
0: Yeah. So uh, we got one more to add, right?
1: Yes. Yes. This is the view that some Christians, maybe family members or close friends, uh, had died, and their testimony was so strong that it led non-Christians to trust in Christ and want to be baptized. In other words, non-Christians trusted the truth of the gospel and then were baptized in a sense for the dead. Or we might say it was because of the, the testimony of the dead with the faith, when they got baptized, they had the faith that they're going to be reunited with their loved ones on the day of resurrection. Okay. So uh, Anthony Thistleton, for example, has that view. Uh, if that's the meaning, then Paul's point is to say, hey, those of you who got baptized after you saw the testimony of your loved ones who died, I mean, what was the point of being saved and baptized if there's no resurrection?
0: Hmm. That's an interesting one. Um, so, okay. So, so that's four interpretations. The first one, Mormon interpretation. Second one, Uh, It's the unique practice of baptizing believers on behalf of believers who died without being baptized. Uh, You've got the third one, which is kind of the normal baptism view, uh, going under and raising up. Uh, The fourth one is that people become Christians after their loved ones died and were baptized with the faith that they would see them again.
1: And there are a bunch of others that we are not mentioning here.
0: Yeah, and I saw an article recently that listed like 40 different interpretations, but... Uh, that we would don't be have, a long podcast. Yeah, We don't have, have time for 40. Uh, so let's just stick with these four since they're probably the most common. And uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there for myself. I'm going full Mormon on this one. <laughs> Are you, you going to join me on that?
1: Um, I don't think so. <laughs> no, uh, obviously, we both agree that is not a tenable view. Uh, and for this reason... Uh neither Brandon nor I go to churches where they are baptizing people vicariously down yeah, in the basement.
0: Uh, uh, and that's not what Trevin was saying earlier, but that is actually the truth. We don't do that. <laughs> yeah,
1: we do not do that. Um, and, and the reason why, I mean, there's just no evidence anywhere in the Bible that you can go back and save someone by baptizing someone in their place after they're dead. Sorry, Utah. <laughs> right? Um Seriously, though, I, I mean, our, our disagreements with Mormonism would go to the very heart of Christology, yep. the truth of the gospel, extra-biblical revelation. I so if we're going to get into the differences between us and Mormons, this is a minor point of disagreement in comparison to the other issues that we would we would say are heretical. Right. So uh, but of the other three interpretations, where are you, Brandon? Well, I, obviously, I honestly don't know. So I'm curious. Oh, great. I'm,
0: glad, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> so yeah, of the not only three, let's say of the 40 interpretations. Uh, I think we're on safe ground to say that with the traditional interpretation, the one that we talked about earlier, that Paul is mentioning some unique practice that's going on in in, in Corinth. Uh, so one of my concerns with the other views is it seems like there's no really no biblical precedent for them. It doesn't seem to kind of tie together with what the rest of Scripture is doing. Uh, especially when it comes to bas- baptism and resurrection. It's uh, so like the third view of the picture of baptism. You know, it kind of sounds almost obvious in a way, but it doesn't actually seem like that's what he's trying to do in this text. It seems like he's trying to do something else here. It kind of seems like a random throw in if that's what he's doing. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. but um, so, so maybe this is a unique practice. It's something that they've picked up from other religions or, or culture or something they made up. Uh, but it's certainly not something Paul is condoning, and it's not something they seemingly taught anywhere else in the canon. Uh, so if anything, you know, it appears to me that Paul is actually showing them how silly this practice is in light of what he's doing with the resurrection here.
1: Okay, so I, I'm i pretty close to your interpretation, I think. Uh, by process of elimination, this is how I land. <laughs> uh, I don't think that the interpretation that this is just referring to the baptism of the body uh, is, is very compelling. I mean, the the logic in the text and the grammar, it just doesn't seem to work that way. Mm-hmm. So that puts me down to the traditional interpretation too, that this is a unique experience in Corinth that Paul was mentioning, but not commending. Um, it also leaves open the question of, were there non-Christians that were being saved and baptized because of the dead, you know, after witnessing their testimonies and things? I really, d- I don't have a strong opinion as to which point is right. So I could go either way on it. I've, I lean to the first option, though.
0: Yeah, it kind of seems like we both agree. Uh, There's something to the Corinthians baptizing people vicariously on behalf of the dead that Paul's saying this is not what you should be doing.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I like like D.A. Carson's explanation. So he, he says this. He says, imagine a Protestant writing. Why do they then pray for the dead if the dead do not rise at all? Now, no one would take that as an endorsement of the practice of praying for the dead. It is a criticism of the inconsistency of praying for the dead while holding that the dead do not rise. So, to make this rhetorical question an endorsement of the practice of praying for the dead, one would expect why do we then pray for the dead right likewise in first corinthians fifteen twenty nine Paul says they now, why do they do this So his primary concern in first Corinthians fifteen is the defense of the Christian doctrine of resurrection uh his question in verse twenty nine is rhetorical it's simply pointing out the inconsistency of those who deny the final resurrection, granted their rather strange <laughs> baptismal practices right.
0: Okay, so so how do we preach, teach, share the truths uh, presented in this difficult text? You know, if I'm if I'm preaching or teaching this text, I'm going to kind of highlight the passage as a whole. I mean, First Corinthians fifteen is this beautiful uh, teaching, well developed, articulate teaching on the resurrection, and that's what I want to. That's what I really want to point out. Uh, but also, you don't want to avoid this. Obviously, you don't want to skip over this text. Um, so it might be worth mentioning to your people that that this view that you and I, Trevor, are talking about, for example, and say that the Corinthians were just missing the point of the resurrection. Uh, So you can kind of tease out them, you know, trying, the problem of them trying to baptize on behalf of other people and how this just doesn't work and how it's not scriptural and how Paul is telling them this isn't Christian teaching. This isn't what Paul's saying. uh, But you really want to make a beeline back to the point that Christ's resurrection secured the defeat of death and secured our future resurrection to live with him on the new heaven and new earth for eternity.
1: So how we preach this, I mean, I know you're going to mock me and say, well, Trotin, if you don't have a strong opinion on the text, I guess you can't preach it. Yeah,
0: I was actually going to ask you if you were just planning on skipping this next time you <laughs> preached
1: it. So, uh, No, I don't skip it. Uh, but as you could probably tell, I would not focus my attention here in the sermon. Mm-hmm. So I would take I take the overall section, how Paul is just driving home the truth of the resurrection He's marshaling all sorts of evidence for the resurrection. That needs to be the centerpiece of the sermon. So, what we have talked about in the podcast should not be the centerpiece of how you <laughs> right. how you preach this. Uh, so, when I get to these verses when I preach through First Corinthians fifteen, I'm, I I usually mention a couple of the interpretations. I'll say I'm not sure exactly which was which one's right. This is how I lean, but whatever the case, Paul's main point is the resurrection is real. Christian experience supports it.
0: Yep, that's good. Um, so uh, that wraps up another episode for us, Trevin. Uh, Thank you for joining me. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Word Matters is presented by the Holman Christian Standard Bible, a translation that is faithful to the original languages but clear for today's readers. Find out more at hcsb.org.